The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm not joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John is out taking care of something today. He's fine. He's just out for the day and replacing him, the wonderful Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. And what a time for you to join, Steve. The day after the AFC title game, I think we're both working on about eight hours sleep combined between the two of us. <laughs> How are you feeling this morning? I'm tired. I'm run down. I feel like my voice sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't even at the Chiefs game. I was just watching yeah. it at home. But it's just been a crazy uh, like 12 hours or so. Like what an intense football game and mm-hmm. uh it's awesome that the Chiefs are headed back to the super bowl so i gotta think and this is just me thinking about everything that that took place last night and and fans watching the game all throughout kansas city i gotta think people are on our level this morning yes we weren't out and having fun celebrating the win which i i imagine a lot of people who had to wake up early this morning for work were doing uh, but we were burning the the midnight oil, so to speak. And I, I think everyone is a little bit lethargic, but it's largely a satisfying feeling because I think for really the entire duration of the end of last year's AFC title game to the end of this one, people were just doubting the Chiefs. It wasn't everybody. I don't want to say this is, was 100% of the NFL watching world or analysts and whatnot, but I... I just think there was a a lot of doubt creeping in and more of this desire to not have the Chiefs be that team and the team that they've been building toward for a long time. And to me, this 23 to 20 victory was them reaffirming themselves as the class of the AFC. I think if Cincinnati would have somehow pulled it off and won four in a row and head back to their second straight Super Bowl, maybe a lot of people would feel like, okay, there was a changing of the guard, but the Chiefs established themselves back on on top of the AFC mountain. Yeah, and that's all yesterday was about, right? Like, it it was proving that 
no, Joe Burrow isn't Patrick Mahomes. No, he hasn't accomplished anything close to what Patrick Mahomes has done so far in his career. And it was incredible to finally get that, uh, check that name off the list, I, I guess, if you're Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, but also like leading into the game and i understand why if you picked cincinnati why you believe that i think cincinnati on paper is a better football team than the kansas city chiefs but it's like everybody forgot about who the bleep patrick mahomes is <laughs> like yeah. like this dude like there's people saying they wouldn't get past the jacksonville jaguars and then to get to an afc championship game and to win it like that where you know, it felt like the team was crumbling <laughs> at certain parts of this game and st- to still go out and win it. It was just incredible scene at Arrowhead Stadium this week. Yeah, and you saw, too, in the in the game lead-ups, you have all these networks that make their picks, and you saw the grids. I mean, those grids were awfully Bengal-printed, orange and black, and you had I, – I know one of them I caught on NFL Network. You had Rich Eisen doing the the werewolf. I don't know if you've ever watched the NFL Network lead up to games, but they do the lone wolf if you're the only one picking. So he was <laughs> had he was had the the lone wolf hat on. They have this furry hat, and he was, he, he gave us the oh, and he was the <laughs> only one on the the panel that was right. It wasn't a popular pick, and a little bit strange because I think there was a, a little bit of a, a forgetting of who Patrick Mahomes is, and stranger to me. It wasn't in Cincinnati. Like I, I think I would have understood a bit more how many people pick the Bengals over the Chiefs if it had been in Cincinnati, but just it being at Arrowhead, I just would have thought that it would have been at least closer to even. But we know how the game played out. You had Patrick Mahomes. You had really player one to forty-six on the active game day roster. Everyone contributed. The the first level of the defense, Chris Jones was unbelievable. You, the second level of defense where you have Willie Gay go down. The third level, LeJarius Sneed goes down early in this game. You're playing three rookie cornerbacks. For the majority of this game, you're able to get it done. You have three wide receivers that go down. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has an amazing game. We're going to talk more about it in our second segment. Steve's going to give us some marinated takeaways, so not the same nature. I, I, the thing that I like about your marinated takeaways, John, every, we, we all have our class. Mine, I think, I could describe as spicy. John is very thoughtful about these things. I never know what to expect from you, Steve, with your marinated <laughs> takeaways. They are unexpected. So I'm looking forward to that in segment two. Segment three, the, the Chiefs are awfully injured here. And so what I've created is the walking wounded power rankings of the most important players that are currently on the injured list. So I'll go through that too. And what should be a fairly abbreviated version of the editor's show. But here we are. It's Monday, January 30th. We're almost about to turn the page to February, and your Kansas City Chiefs are the AFC champions, and they are very much alive, which means we got to hear from And the live head coach, Andy Reid, on Monday, did his usual Monday morning-slash-afternoon press conference. And if you want to listen to that in full, you can. It's right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And you could use from the podium, but we're going to go through some highlights here. And, and the first one is, is a bigger picture question about, you know, it's a lot harder to win when you've paid the quarterback and you got to make some tough decisions like trading Tyree Kill in the offseason. Here was Andy Reid after a night of reflection on what the Chiefs were able to accomplish. Yeah, so I, I would start with Brett Beach and uh, the way that he and his guys have gone about uh, – putting this thing together for, for the coaches, um, giving the coaches an opportunity to coach good players. Um, it includes everybody. I mean, it includes 
uh, Mark, it includes Clark. I mean, that they're all part of that, giving us the opportunity to do what we're, what, what Brett can do uh, by bringing these guys in. So, but his process, the process that he goes through, uh, you guys have gotten to know him now. I mean, the process that he goes through, he's relentless. He's committed. He's got a great eye for talent. Um, he's fearless when it comes into trades and drafts and all those things. I mean, it's just, uh, it's been fun for me to watch and watch him grow. So there you go. Andy Reed on his general manager, Brett Veach, who he really, I think molded and in the duration of his NFL career started as an intern with Reed in Philadelphia in the two thousands. And here he is as the GM of the Kansas city chiefs. And if you just look at the contributions of what were, the day three picks in this game in the seventh round, Isaiah Pacheco and, and Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams was fantastic uh, in, in this game. Rookies stepping up and, and you go to that first round with, with Trent McDuffie and, and George Karloftis. I don't know if the chiefs didn't have as good of a draft as they did, Steve, if they would have won this football game. Yeah. I, I don't think we can talk enough about the, imprint that brett veach left on this season and the and this football game because it will talk about it more in marinated takeaways i'm sure but the impact that the rookie class had in an afc championship game was absolutely bananas yesterday Mm -hmm. it was absolutely insane the plays that they were making and and the validation that brett veach got like just from that game but I mean, this was supposed to be a kind of reset year for the Kansas City Chiefs. This was supposed to be, you know, Patrick Mahomes going through the biggest roster overhaul so far in his young NFL career. And sometimes it takes you a couple of seasons to build that thing back up and to have not like a couple of rookies. Like the Chiefs are getting plays from seven different rookies in this game. Like it was absolutely insane. We can't discuss enough the the impact that Brett Veach had on this football game. Yeah, and I I think we're often reminded when you know you go through the NFL draft, it it's it's always I think a case where you want to see what the rookies can do right away. But you really got to give, especially when you get to past the third round or so. You really got to give them a few years to see what they can turn into. And just the idea of this entire class, day one, day two, day three, and their day year one, I should say year one contributions, and it all coming to you know this culmination in the playoff game, it's just wild to to even I think wrap your head around. And I, I think you're right. I mean, I think if Brett Beach ahead of the year was being honest with himself, I, I think they probably felt like I think we got some good players for the future. I think they looked at it as a transitional year. I don't I do not believe this team really thought it was over reasonable to think, OK, we can win the bye week or we're going to certainly win the division as they, the rest of the division was loading up on on quarterbacks. And here they were in what should have been a transitional year. They're playing for a Super Bowl championship. And I think they they got a pretty good chance of beating the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, let's continue with Andy Reid. And speaking of those Philadelphia Eagles, the best part of the next week or so is there's not a lot of hoopla. They're still in Kansas City. There's two weeks before this game. Here is how Andy Reid operates when it comes to the game planning part against the Philadelphia Eagles this week. So uh, we will. I think it's important. I think before you get down to Arizona with the distractions uh, and the different events that go on, you'd like to at least have the base part in where, where you've got a good foundation of the game plan. If you have to tweak it here or there, you can do that. But you, you really, while it's, 
relatively calm here and normal, then let's get it done. I mean, it's really that simple. So this is how the Chiefs operate, and now they they've been to three Super Bowls in four years, which is wild. They they have taken this approach where they treat this week here in Kansas City as a game week, a serious game week. They get the game plan installed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just with no game on Sunday. Next week ends up being a, a refresher. As Reed said, maybe they'll, they'll change a little something here and there, but it's largely going to be installed and ready on Sunday, and that is by design. You talk about that Andy Reed bye week. This is a little bit even more unique. The usual bye week, they're looking inside, kind of doing a lot of self-evaluation they truly use this as a double game plan week and so you have this idea and you know i think some teams approach it differently where you win a a conference championship and maybe you take a few days off the coaches were right back to it because they're formulating this game plan so they are ready to teach it on wednesday next week becomes a little bit more of an easy lighter showcase style week and i think that's a good approach steve yeah, I, I think the extra week here is going to be massive. Like we all know the Andy Reid bye week stuff, but I think there's a case to be made that in the AFC championship game, we didn't necessarily see the best version of Andy Reid that we've seen this season. Like I, mm-hmm. I felt like there there were some moments in this game where they probably could have done a little bit more to help Patrick Mahomes along the way with the ankle injury and, and just everything that was happening with the wide receivers and whatnot. But the extra preparation time is absolutely going to be needed because this is a really good Philadelphia Eagles team. Like they've got a Definitely. lot of talent on that roster. So a- a- any advantage that the chiefs can try to put together ahead of the game is going to wind up being massive in this matchup. And the the one thing that you feel like you can say like guaranteed about the chiefs headed into this game is that they've got an advantage in having Andy Reid. So any extra time that they can utilize to go into this game and try to get an edge is going to be massive. Everybody knows about the 14 years that Andy Reid spent in Philadelphia. Now the 10 years in Kansas city, very much going to be a celebration of Andy Reid over the next two weeks as we get ready for the Super Bowl. But it's also something else. It's the new Heights bowl with Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey taking on each other in the most important game of the year. This is the first time, in history that this type of thing has happened. Here was Andy Reid on coaching the two Kelsey brothers. Yeah. So um, Travis is the little brother and, and uh, I think big brother probably protected him. So Travis could do some crazy things. And, you know, he probably talked to him from jumping off a ladder into the, the raked up leaves once or twice, you know? So listen, they're, they're both at heart, very competitive and compassionate. I, I think is, uh, the biggest thing they they care and they care about people and they care about their game, their trade and their podcast. Uh, it looks like it's un- unbelievable. I mean, they they've got a good mesh there and a good relationship between the two of them. I think Travis has grown up a lot. I think uh, Jason came in probably more mature, big brother. And Travis was a little more immature, but he's really grown and a, a good person, man. Yeah, I love Andy Reid talking about how mature Travis has gotten 12 hours after he told the mayor of Cincinnati to know his role and shut his mouth, (laughs) called him a jabroni, said Burrow had my ass, then later said that Jerry Springer was a better mayor than the current mayor of Cincinnati. But you you see the the relationship that that these two guys have. And if you've listened to their podcast, it's it's fantastic. I, I know that a lot of you probably have because it's one of the more popular podcasts 
out there right now when it comes to sports and 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 football. And this is just a really cool wrinkle. Just the fact that Andy Reid did draft both of these guys. He moved on to Kansas City and and took Travis Kelsey in his first year, and it was a redshirt year when Kelsey had that injury, and then it's been one of the better players of all time at his position ever since. And, and I think Jason can say the same. So you'll see these two guys that they won't be on the field at the same time, which I'm sure they're, they're probably happy about. I don't know if you necessarily would want to be battering heads in the Super Bowl against your brother, but we will see who, who comes out victorious. First off, unreal promotion for their podcast that they're going to get <laughs> over the next couple it's of must weeks. listen. It's must like, listen. It's uh just getting free Super Bowl advertising is yeah. going to be massive for that show. Yeah, it's already really popular and it's a really good podcast. But Pardon my take. Look out. I mean, it's yeah. some competition. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I, I'm really excited that it is the Eagles because that's the game that I wanted to see. I, I'm excited for the celebration of Andy Reid that we are going to see over the next couple of weeks. And the the Kelsey brothers is just like an added wrinkle in the Andy Reid imprint on the entire NFL. So I, I'm excited for this celebration of Andy Reid over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's it's deserved. I I just I think it's unique. I think it you have the the idea of of Bill Belichick and and what he was able to accomplish with the one franchise. You know, I I think it's easy. It's not easy. I I think it's easier to do it with one franchise, but to be as successful with two. I mean, that's that's different entirely. I mean, you're, you're moving your family. It's a different type of ownership. I'm sure there are certain things that the Luries did that the Hunts don't do and, and vice versa. And you have to adjust on the fly. And I it's been really impressive. And this is a point I've been making. And, and I believe it. I think a lot of people saw Andy's Philly tenure by itself as at least borderline Hall of Fame, if not Hall of Fame. The Chiefs tenure has been Hall of Fame caliber. And he has two of those, right? I mean, he, he could have made the Hall of Fame twice. And that's just so impressive. And it's, it's a guy that if you're able to get that second Super Bowl, it puts you just in another tier. And here the Chiefs are with, with one game to do it. And how sweet will it be for Andy Reid to be able to do it against his former franchise? I just think that's such a cool wrinkle of this game. And uh, probably by the time the next 14 days happen we'll, we'll be tired of talking about it because i think it's going to get a lot of play uh, but for right now I, I find it still pretty cool all right let's go to the last andy reed clip here before we move on and i i thought this was a key part of the game and and we were left questioning at, at the time it was 20 to 20 and the chiefs at fourth and nine uh, opted to punt they didn't kick a what would have been a 50 something yarder uh, they didn't go for it on fourth and nine they they opted to punt here was andy reed on that all important decision yeah, sure. I mean, you, you go through that. I mean, you have to. And then you, you go off your, your gut feeling. I mean, you're right at that area where, you know, some would say go for it. Some would say uh, kick it. I, I thought our defense was playing well enough uh, where we surely could uh, punt the ball and with probably minimal seconds uh, or time on the clock, get get the ball back. So but we, we've been able to do some good things with limited time. Uh, so you have that in the back of your mind. And as far as the players go, you know, we trusted the guys that were in there. They did a marvelous job for us. So uh, I'm proud of, you know, proud of them and the, the coaches for at least having all these guys knowing the plays when they, they always don't get that amount of reps, especially at different positions there. I mean, okay. Right. Like it worked out. This was a scary moment, and I'll tell you when it got scary. It wasn't right after the punt because I'm like, okay, the defense is playing well. You know when it got scary, Steve? I don't know if it did for you. 
third and 16 Hayden Hurst down the right sideline finds that pocket just by himself and they convert on third and 16. And I, I think a lot of people were saying we punted the ball. It was over. (laughs) It was over. Yeah. And it's going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, That's exactly how I felt like that's exactly how I reacted because they gave up a a long uh, third down conversion in last year's game. I think it was a third and 19 and it was like, just happening all over again. But I, I disagree with the call and, and choosing to punt right there, but I'm generally always going to disagree with it. But you love to go for it. You're an aggressive man, Steve. It's, but well, and I, I mean, we shouldn't have been shocked by Andy Reid's decision there. Like Andy Reid tends to play it safer more often than not in, in those kinds of key game situations. Like that's mm-hmm. just kind of always how he's been. Now, occasionally they'll go for it on a fourth down, but. In that situation, I was not shocked at all to see him punt, even though I disagreed with the decision. Yeah, it, it could have been really bad. It, it could have been one of those calls if the Bengals go down and score. And three plays later, by the way, that was the Chris Jones sack and the Bengals ended the punting back to the Chiefs. But the Bengals go down and score and Patrick Mahomes gets very limited time and to, to touch the football. I, I think we're talking about that decision for the entire offseason. I, I just think about a couple of years back in Green Bay when Matt LaFleur took the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and they never got the football back again. I mean, you are you're really betting on yourself in those situations. Andy Reid went with his gut and it ended up working out. And how how could we say it was the wrong decision? They got the win, right? So it was the right call, but whew, um some stones I, I I think to make that one for <laughs> for, for Coach Reed. All right. Those are the clips that we took away from Andy Reid, again, if you want to listen to the, the full Andy Reid presser, you can. It's right here on the Air Pride Podcast Network from the podium right before this podcast here, the editor show. All right, when we come back, it's those world-famous marinated takeaways. Stay with us. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React, readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Yeah, it's a championship edition of these oh so sweet, world famous marinated takeaways. The Chiefs with a 23 to 20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship, snapping three game losing streak about this team. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL. I could say that they had the Chiefs number. The Bengals could ahead of this game. Not to be the case anymore. All right, Steve, you're filling in for our great deputy editor, John Dixon, the the wise man, if if you will. So you, you have some big shoes to fill. What was your first marinated takeaway of this game? So there's been a lot of discussion around the Chiefs defensive side of the ball, especially over the back half of the season and specifically defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. And I think that Spags coached the best season of his career here in Kansas City this year. And I thought that at the start of the year and I maybe wavered on it a little bit midseason, but then kind of came back around to it and I, I think it's something that's probably really under discussed at this point because, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are always going to be the first people that everybody think about when they think about the Kansas City Chiefs. But what Spags did this season 
was kind of out of the way he normally tries to operate. He doesn't really like playing young guys all that often. And I know he's commented on in the past, like, no, that's not true. But like, it is like, we've seen him go out of his way not to put rookies on the field And this season. He didn't really have a choice. Right. And early in the year, I thought that he was dialing up some of his best game plans that I've ever seen him dial up. And then the chiefs kind of mid season have this lull where they're, they're struggling and they're dealing with injuries and stuff like that. But that's not that uncommon in the NFL either. Like teams get tape on you, they find ways to exploit it. And then you make adjustments based on that. And Spag's adjustments this season have been spectacular, deciding to move Legereus Sneed around and kind of use Sneed is that chess piece that we've seen him utilize like a Tyron Matthew in the past uh, was a huge decision. Uh, having the confidence in Trent McDuffie after missing time early in the season to come in and be a guy that can play on the outside or move inside to the slot. Like those are huge decisions that really p- paid off for the Kansas City Chiefs this season. And I just think overall, we saw him put together one of his best game plans as a defensive coordinator in the AFC championship game. Like you could have not asked for more from the Chiefs defense and you couldn't have asked for more from Steve Spagnuolo. I I thought he was just absolutely exceptional yesterday and and a big reason why the Kansas City Chiefs were able to win and go to another Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember asking Dave Merritt, the defensive backs coach, at some point, I think it was... I don't know. I think it was around week 10 or week 11 and I'm guessing here, but I, I was curious as to what they were thinking when it came to who to play between Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, because beginning of the year, it seemed like it was Jalen Watson and they started to play Williams more. And then it seemed like they went back to Watson. And then again, Watson was, was playing more to start this game. And then Legere Sneed goes down and, and is in the concussion protocol. And now you have to play both. And the Chiefs had been maintaining, and and this is what Merritt said, that we like both for different reasons. We're going to continue to rotate. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> At a certain point, you got to pick one of these guys, but they kept on rotating. And Joshua Williams, to his credit, was ready to enter the game and had an interception. And Jalen Watson had an interception. And the Chiefs were right in saying both of these guys can play. Now, you're going to see another challenge in a, c- a couple weeks from now. That's another really good pass catching core that, that the Philadelphia Eagles offer. And we'll see if Legarius Sneed is healthy, but man, kudos to Joshua Williams for in a spot where I'm sure he was thinking he wasn't going to play much was ready to rise to the occasion. And boy, did the chiefs need it. I mean, this is one of the best pass catching crews in the league in what Jamar chase and T Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. I know that he got hurt, but, but they offer. And so just such an important part uh, of what they were able to do. Jalen Watson ended up with, two passes defensed another rookie had two passes defensed in McDuffie. And then you had Justin Reed, Brian cook, another rookie, and then Joshua Williams with, with one apiece. So really nice day from a young chief secondary. Brian cook had a, a tough beginning to the game, but he was involved in that final pick as well, knocking it away. So you're right. Kudos to, to Steve Spagnuolo in the game that he called and what he was able to do with a very young defense this year. My first marinated takeaway is on Patrick Mahomes who couldn't, can we already say now that that Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league? Are we are we still doing this or am I going to get people that are saying that it's Jalen Hurts? I don't know. I've been making this point in a few places and I want to get it here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast airwaves. Patrick Mahomes, to me, uh, we've been looking for for and I've done it, too. We've been looking for who's that that rival to Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be the the Manning to his Brady 
And I, I think we've been been maybe wrong to do that. And I, I hope that maybe this game and what happens in two weeks stops people from doing that because I, I just think maybe it's not a, a Brady Manning thing. I mean, we tried to do it with Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes counted to four when the NFL top 100 made him number one instead of Mahomes. And Mahomes was one the, the next year. So Lamar Jackson, he's been a little bit inconsistent. I'm still a Lamar Jackson fan, but I just don't think he's on the level of Patrick Mahomes. Then it was Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen, MVP favorite, the Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl favorites. Here's what we're going to do. The Bills are going to be the first seed. They're going to finally knock off the Chiefs, even though, by the way, the Chiefs beat them last year, and the Chiefs lost to a team, the the one that they faced yesterday, but it was going to be Josh Allen. Nope. The Bengals knocked him off. Now it's Joe Burrow, Joe Joe Cool, 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. We finally have what is that Manning to the Mahomes-Brady. No, not again. Now I now I know they're they're one and one in these conference title games, and Burrow still has a better record against Mahomes. Not to say that the quarterbacks go one on one with each other, but Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow is not. And so, what's the common denominator here? You know, we keep going through it with Patrick Mahomes. It's just that he's the one guy, and then these adversaries keep popping up. Steve, I wouldn't be stunned if next year it's Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence with that budding Jaguars team. You know, and and so what? we're been looking at is okay who is the 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 manning for the mahomes brady what we might be looking at is no man and and i've seen this in a few other places i said it last night for what it's worth so i'm not stealing takes here mahomes is michael jordan and maybe all these other guys are patrick ewing and charles barkley and isaiah thomas and mahomes is going to prevent them from ever really having a a ton of championships. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to go through his whole career from here on out and win the AFC title every year. Maybe there's a guy that slips in and they have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Majority of the time, like Tom Brady did 10 times, it's going to be the Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl. And you might have one of these guys sneak in one year or another. And I know that that won't make fans happy, but that's just reality. I mean, it's not like he's going to win every single time. And so that's the way I'm looking at it. I don't know if there's... I don't know if there's a Manning to the Mahomes-Brady. Maybe it's just Mahomes by himself, and it's going to be a lot of these foes, and it'll be a different one each and every year. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's also important to remember, like, the quarterback talent in the NFL right now is insane. Like, there's just so many good young quarterbacks in the league right now, and there's been this huge influx of quarterbacks, especially in the AFC, and – they're all really good. And, you know, maybe Justin Herbert, they just signed a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. Like Herbert, yeah. Maybe, yep. maybe Herbert's going to finally make that jump next season. I'm with you. And maybe it's going to be Trevor because I think he, he's an exceptional talent and the Jags are really headed in the right direction. But like I already mentioned, uh, Pete, like, it's just like everybody forgot what this guy was capable of, forgot yeah. who Patrick Mahomes is. And, that's why it was so important for him to win this AFC championship game, because I would have not been having a good time with all the conversation over the next couple of weeks and all this off season, like, Oh, Burrow Mahomes, who who's really the best quarterback when we're in the middle of an individual player doing something that is absolutely unprecedented in the sport. And I understand Tom Brady had the, has the success, has all the rings and, and he is the greatest to ever do it. But to do it this early in his career is not something that Brady did. Like for him to come in and immediately when he became an NFL starter to have the level of success year in and year out, be 
in the MVP conversations every year. Be, get your team to a, a one seed almost every season. Host five straight AFC championship games at home. Like all of that stuff is insane and, and unprecedented. And Patrick Mahomes proved yesterday that he's an unprecedented player in a time where there's a lot of young, talented quarterbacks in the NFL. He is far and away the best and nobody else is as close as they want to try to argue that they are. Yeah. And, and I, I think it, it's even more impressive as, as the NFL every year is trying to find new ways to promote parody, right? They want all 32 cities to feel like they have an opportunity to maybe win a Super Bowl, the hoist the Lombardi trophy. And Mahomes continues to still be consistent in appearing in, in three Super Bowls now, just, just wild to say. And I, I know that after last one, he w- he was hungry. Not not to say that he, he didn't want to beat Tom Brady, but I, I think there was a feeling like, okay, the Chiefs are severely handicapped. I, I think he's happy with this offensive line as they enter this game. I know that we com- sometimes will complain about an Andrew Wiley or an Orlando Brown, but this should be a different deal for, him, for Patrick Mahomes than it was the last time he was in the Super Bowl. All right, Steve, what's your, what's your next takeaway here? So my next takeaway is – really just an apology to chiefs wide receiver marquez valdez scantling who yeah i have been hard on on him all season long um i I feel like week in week out uh patrick mahomes throws footballs up to him and and puts them in, in spots where only he can get them and he struggles to hang on to them and man he stepped up in the biggest moment for the chiefs on offense during that AFC championship game uh, to the point where he looked like he was unstoppable, (laughs) like, like just making incredible plays and giving the chiefs these huge chunk gains. Like that was kind of what we've been looking for from him all season and kind of similar to past chiefs that we've seen in the playoffs. Like if you do it in the postseason. It's worth every penny and and MVS did it in the postseason, kind of similar to the way Frank Clark's Chiefs career has gone to to Sammy Watkins coming up with huge plays in the playoffs. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. So all of the MVS slander I have put out into the world this season. I apologize, Marquez. (laughs) You were spectacular yesterday, and and I absolutely owe you an apology for the way I have questioned your skill this season. Well, that used to be a thing with with questioning the Watkins contract and questioning the Clark contract. And, you know, it's it's an interesting question, but the reality remained that if you didn't have Frank Clark and if you didn't have Sammy Watkins during those 19 runs, you don't win the championship. And so even if it's just their playoff performances, they're worth the money. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I, I think we expected more from him, him to be more consistent than he was this year in 2022 during the regular season. But guess what? And he had the AFC title game of his life. <laughs> and I don't think if he plays that way and makes those tough catches, the Chiefs win. I mean, they only won by three points in this game. So I completely agree with you. And now that contract is worth it, especially if they win the next game. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Gantley could have another inconsistent game. And if the Chiefs win, it's still going to be worth it because of the game he had to get them there. And I completely agree. I don't know if you need to apologize, Steve. If if he has a huge Super Bowl, too, like I was (laughs) – 
I was, oh, he's getting cut. He's not like if he beats Richard season. Sherman with an over over the shoulder catch yeah. down if the right sideline. Super Bowl, he's going to ensure his <laughs> roster spot for next season, and the Chiefs will keep him this offseason. Uh, this is more of a, a question for my next Mariner takeaway than than really a definitive takeaway, which is always my cop out, but I don't care. Is Chris Jones the best defensive player in the league? Like, why can't he play like that each and every week? This guy is incredible sometimes I, I know that a lot a lot of people would say Micah Parsons right or maybe Aaron Donald Nick, when he's Bosa. Healthy. Nick Bosa Joey Bosa the Bosa family um you know speaking of, of Joey Bosa rain it in I don't know if you saw this <laughs> clip out there yesterday Steve holy moly um he was at the San Francisco game and 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 Philadelphia and he was he was being heckled by a fan and he did not respond like a, a yeah. mature professional athlete. Maybe should. You can look it up if you want. But that, that's beside the point. But my goodness, man. Chris Jones. You know, you talk about if MBS plays well in the Super Bowl. If Chris Jones plays like this in the Super Bowl, there is no way the Chiefs don't leave with with the Lombardi trophy in Arizona. It it was a performance where I think the Bengals knew. They were going to have to give Chris Jones extra attention. They did give Chris Jones extra attention, and it really didn't matter. He had came into the game with no playoff sacks, 10-plus games, was able to get two sacks, and we had mentioned the, the sack after the big Hayden Hurst catch that really sealed the vibe for the Chiefs. They weren't winning at that point, but you really felt better about that chances uh, about their chances. They went on to, to win the football game, but... Jones not only did it himself, I, I just think he opened the door for Frank Clark to have three quarterback hits and a sack and a half for George Karloftis to get to to get his sack in, in this game. And and so it's just setting the tone and and it creates an interesting situation because I think ahead of the year, we thought, oh, man, look at this cap number for 2023. If he has another for a while, he was having those like nine ish, 10 ish sacks year sack years had a little bit of a contract year this year where he's certainly going to be on the team and in, in next next year. And, and you wonder if he even has played himself into an enormous contract extension, right? Like I, I don't think that's off the table at, at this stage. And um, yeah, I mean the, the chiefs needed that type of performance and they got it from Chris Jones. Yeah. And I, I think that's been a knock on him in the past is we, he's always kind of been that type of player that we look to like in big games, in big moments, he's supposed to be your superstar and he's got to step up and make a play. And we have seen him kind of disappear in those kinds of games before, but man, he, he showed up and he was dominant. Like the chief's defense does not put together that kind of performance. If it's not for Chris Jones, just wrecking the Bengals offensive line on each and every snap, like, he was just spectacular and he's probably not going to win defensive player of the year. It's probably going to go to Nick Bosa it's pro or, or uh, Micah Parsons, but Chris Jones is the last one still alive of those three and hel helped his team on the defensive side of the ball, kind of single-handedly get back to another Super Bowl because he was that impressive. Yeah. Congratulations. Number 95, number 95. I, I don't know if you were listening that intently to the press conferences last night, but he was, he was giving it to the media a little bit about us caring about the playoff sacks and trying to stir it up. I asked him about the idea of the chiefs being one win away from what would be a dynasty, which is what I believe at this stage, you got to five straight AFC title games. You hosted them at your place. You're going to three Super Bowls. You won one already. If you get two, 
you can start to, to talk about the dynasty. Chris Jones was talking about the dynasty. I remember in Miami immediately after the game, he was talking <laughs> dynasty, asked him about that. And then he, he said to me last night, <laughs> no, that's what, that's what stuff you guys want to stir up. Chris, you said this thing in 2019. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just reminding you that you did, but uh, what a game, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half kidding around uh, and we'll see, we'll see what happens in the, in the Super Bowl. If he plays like that, the chiefs are going to win. All right, uh, Steve, what's your final marinated takeaway here? Uh, I know you already mentioned the rookies a little bit, but I just wanted to give one more nod to their performance and just how ridiculous it was that they were so key and instrumental to the Chiefs going back to another Super Bowl. You know, when, you know, NFL films does those like, uh, you know, condensed like season episode yeah. things. I don't know what they're called. Those DVDs. Yeah, it's. When they do one for this Chiefs team, and even if it's just the AFC Championship game, it is going to go so hard when they talk about these rookies and the impact that the rookies had on this AFC Championship game because you couldn't have scripted it better. Like You couldn't have planned this out better for the Chiefs rookies. Like George Karloftis getting a sack, Brian Cook having to come in the game and play significant snaps, Joshua Williams having to come in for the injured Legereus Sneed, and then... Jalen Watson gets a pick. Brian Cook creates the de- deflection that gets intercepted by Joshua Williams. And then Sky Moore, who we've been just petrified of returning kicks all season because he was a straight-up liability with it early in the season, had multiple fumbles and had no business being back there, to get thrust into that role and to come up with the, the big punt return at the end of the game that set the Chiefs up to give them an opportunity to go get that field goal and go win the game is unreal. Like, it, it was just all absolutely unreal. The Chiefs rookies were just such a, such an incredible season for this rookie draft class and, and such an incredible night for them as individuals. It, it was just unbelievable to watch it all unfold. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we've talked a lot about the rookies, but... They're not supposed to be the, the entire class is not supposed to be this good uh, this early. Right. Like sometimes you're like, OK, that guy was a hit. This guy was a miss. Yeah. I mean, who we who haven't really we really seen a contribution from Nazi Johnson and yeah. who knows what he Darian could be. Kennard. Yeah. I, look, that's I forgot is, about so, Pacheco too. Pacheco was was great. <laughs> that's only two of the ten. And and I don't think the, the story has been written on Kennard. I think they're working with him behind the scenes to maybe give him an opportunity next year. And then Nazi Johnson's just another defensive back, but they liked him so much. They traded Rashad Fenton, who was a really good player for the chiefs. Like they're like, we don't want to risk losing Nazi Johnson. So we're going to trade Rashad Fenton and try to get something back for him. And you know, love me. I love me some Rashad, but they haven't needed them. They're in the super bowl. I want to bring attention in my last marinated takeaway. I'm not a big rah-rah guy. Sometimes I think it's, it's above and beyond. Um, my, my guy Ron the show will, will, appreciate that yeah like sometimes big rick burkholder maybe gets too much attention but i think (laughs) i think last night well deserved patrick mahomes had a high ankle sprain clyde ankle uh, clyde edwards uh, i almost called him clyde ankle sprain Alaire. clyde edwards Alaire had a high ankle sprain weeks and weeks and weeks ago and has been ir on ir for for quite a while now patrick mahomes was back in a week didn't miss a game uh, Rick Burkholder went on uh, the head trainer for the Chiefs went on to social media and put attention on Julie Frymeyer, one of the trainers. She designed and executed the rehab of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes actually thanked Julie for getting him through the week and enabling him to play. Another guy that popped up was Travis Kelsey. 
So we just talked about how important Chris Jones was. I think he's very firmly number three, but the two most important chiefs in this game are Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. All of a sudden there's injury scares. We knew about Mahomes. Kelsey suddenly might not have played. And I, I thought that was a little bit overblown until I really listened to Kelsey in the press conference. If you go and listen, it seemed like there was a real chance he maybe wasn't going to play in this game with that back locking, locking up on Friday. Rick gave attention to David Glover. I've actually, I haven't interacted with Julie, but I've actually met Glove before, and he's actually a very, very cool guy. He executed Kelsey's back rehab, getting him ready through what was Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning. And then if you go to, Steve, if you go to Burkholder's Twitter, there's this, there's this giant bald-headed man, looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> calls him TJ Hackler, was the chiropractor who worked on Kelsey Saturday, Sunday. There was a very real chance that Kelsey might have been a late scratch to this game. I don't know if they pull it out without him. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's not only what Kelsey does, but it's the attention that he draws to open up guys like your guy, MVS. You're a big MVS guy, uh, opening him up to, to have the game that he does. And so there were some unsung heroes behind the scenes that would never get attention on it. Look, uh, this is the editor show. I don't, I don't think it's, it's all the glory, but I think they really deserve mentioning because if anything happens with Mahomes where he can't go or Kelsey can't go, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to play in the Super Bowl. And that, that's, that's reality. And so I will use my final marinated takeaway on the training staff uh, and, and Rick, Rick getting it done for, for the Chiefs. It's, uh, I mean, it's a good call. And they're going to be so important over the next two weeks in trying to get all these guys healthy or as healthy as they possibly can be because they're banged up right now. But the Chiefs do deserve a lot of credit for this, uh, especially during the Mahomes era. They've done a fantastic job of keeping their guys on the field and, and, and managing injuries in the season not be not being like we need to rush guys back out on the field because we want to win football games and they don't do that they don't they don't jeopardize the long term for the short term impact and that's really important in, in the modern day NFL when you see teams like the 49ers and the Chargers who just have laundry list IRs every single yeah. season and, and get banged up constantly and have guys with with long term injuries. It, it, it doesn't get discussed enough how excellent the Chiefs have been over the last uh, several years, especially just keeping their guys healthy and on the football field. Speaking of that laundry list of injuries, coming up next, I will give you the power rankings you never wanted. They're the walking wounded power rankings. I'm going to rank all the injured Chiefs and the importance that all of them are available for the Super Bowl. That's coming up right here on the Airhead Pride Editor Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, the great Steven Serta filling in for John Dixon. John should be back next week in our, in our, it'll be a, a Super Bowl week. One week from today, we'll be locked in the Super Bowl week. Uh, the the thought is I will be joining you from Arizona. We're, we're not locked into me being in Arizona yet, but I'm pretty sure probably around 80% at this stage. So I'll be joining you from Arizona. John will be holding down the fort here in, in Kansas City, but he should be back next week. But for now, it's me and the Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steven Serta. And Steve, I, I talked about this at, at the beginning of the show, and I, I teased it as we took a break. Here it is, the, the list of, of guys that, that are injured right now for the Kansas City Chiefs or, or ill. And I have ranked them from eight to one. There's eight <laughs> names on this list, which is not what you want ahead of the Super Bowl. It's better it's ahead of the Super Bowl than it is the AFC title game because you only have one week to prepare for what would be the, the title game, whereas you get these 14 days to recuperate as you look toward the Super Bowl. And here we go. I'm going to go from eight to one on level of least importance to importance that the, the Chiefs get these guys right. And you can let me know if you agree. The first two, Justin Watson is number eight. And then I have McCole Hardman at number seven. And I know a lot of people want to see McCole Hardman be back with this team. He made his return for the first time since week nine. He was a, a effective last night, but then re-aggravated that pelvis injury. The reason I have him so low on this list, Steve, is because... The Chiefs have been winning without him. I think it'd be great to have Nicole Hardman, but the Chiefs have managed to win games yeah. without him. And if there was a player that, okay, you would feel less important to, to what we want to accomplish, it's the guy we haven't had half the year and still managed to get the first round by. So those are the first two on the list, Watson and Hardman. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think the Chiefs, looking back on it, and I know Justin Watson missed Friday's practice with an illness. Um but looking back on it, they were probably like, man, we could have used Justin Watson <laughs> in the AFC championship game with the way the wide receivers were going down. And I totally agree with you on McColl. Uh, they've been winning without him. He's been injured for a lot of time this year. And, you know, we expected him back a couple of weeks ago. And then they said he suffered a setback. And then to see him re-aggravate it, it just makes you think there's really something going on there. Like he could be headed to like an offseason surgery or something like that. Next two players on the list, wide receiver Kadarius Tony at six. I, I have Tony ahead of Hardman just because I feel like he offers you a punt returner. I know that Sky Moore had the night he had at the end of last night, and, and Dave Tobe was happy to tell us that as he was walking by. <laughs> he goes, how, he, there was a group of media members, and he goes, how about Sky? <laughs> it's like, Dave. It's not like – I like how Dave Tobe is like <laughs> – acted like we were just trashing the kid i mean it, dave you kept trotting him out there and he kept fumbling every week it was for, it was weeks in a row dave i like that i i'm a big dave fan i, I know that he has gotten some criticism this year and, and yeah it, it's been deserved but i think he's largely done a good job with andy Reid these 10 years and i like that he had this sheepish moment of told y'all but i as soon as tony is ready with that ankle that that he injured i you know i, I think he's important to get back in there and tough guy to keep on the field at this point I, I was you know he had this ankle injury and I was hoping he wouldn't be ruled out and the Chiefs ended up ruling him out just a guy that we don't know if he's going to be available even with the two weeks just because he has shown and this is now years to be a little bit injury prone so he's number six on my list five is Juju Smith-Schuster 
I almost thought put Smith Schuster ahead of maybe one of the defenders here because he has been important for the Chiefs. But if you really look at the game log, hasn't been as productive as he was at, at different points this year. So I ended up putting him below what would be the final four of this important list. But I, I do find him to be important. I, I, I just the Chiefs have more important guys on the injury list right now. Yeah. And I think Juju should probably be ahead of Tony. I could I could see it going either ways yeah. because I, I think at least with Tony, it's what we've seen from the Chiefs is that he hasn't really been playing a ton of snaps. It's not like his snaps have dr- dramatically increased since he joined the Chiefs. Like, But when he's on the field, they use him. Like When he's yeah. on the field, you know they're going to try to get him the ball, and you can't necessarily say that about Juju, but Juju's playing a lot more snaps usually. But uh, I think for Kadarius Tony too, like we were just talking about the Chiefs training staff. I think having a full offseason with the Chiefs training staff and mm-hmm. seeing how these Chiefs players kind of keep themselves healthy and, and work on their bodies and stuff like that during the offseason, I, I think that's something that could wind up being really big for Kadarius Tony next year. Um, you know what he needs, Steve? He needs a little time with, with Julie, with David, and TJ Hackler. Yes. Uh, just a full bevy of of trainers around him every day and get that get that body right yeah and 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 i will say with juju i think his importance is just the reliability of uh, of a veteran like andy reed said you know credit to my staff that these special teamers who were coming in to play wide receiver like (laughs) knew the plays yeah that's why juju is important like, cause, cause yeah. Juju is going to be where you need him to be. He He's going to know all the plays. He He's a pro, he's a veteran. So I, I think there's just like a veteran element that, that he brings to the table. It's really important. Juju has had some injury stuff this year. And I just wonder if he's the type of guy that you have to worry about signing back. Right. Cause, um, it, it was the knee again and he has had some some knee stuff and it, i don't know if that's going to be a guy that you're going to want to sign to and i think he's going to command a, a pretty lucrative three to four year contract after the wide receiver market last year so i wonder how much his status and how much the end of the year physical is going to play into brett veach's decision there joel Corey, by the way i thought this was intriguing i saw this tweet out there Juju didn't meet the criteria for a $1 million incentive due to a knee injury in the AFC title game. He needed at least 50% playtime in a Kansas City win, 65 catches, and 900 receiving yards in the regular season. He had 45% playtime. So you wonder if the Chiefs' ownership will will give him that that bonus there. I think they will. I think they'll give it to Juju. We'll see. All right, so we have our, our walking wounded power rankings. We're halfway through the power rankings that nobody ever wanted. Justin Watson, eight. McCole Hardman, seven. Kadarius Toney, six. Juju Smith-Schuster, five. Next, I went Willie Gay Jr. And then three, I have Legereus Sneed. Um, you probably know who the last two are on this list. Uh, I've had Willie Gay below Legereus because when I was sitting there at this game, I, I see that immediately Legereus is, is to an extent, not completely, but t- he's on Jamar. And I, I, I'm like, okay, maybe this is a strategy. You know, He's trying to take Jamar Chase out of the game. And when Sneed went down, I said to myself, oh, that maybe one was the, the first player, besides Chris Jones, the, the first defensive player that, that you wouldn't have wanted to lose in this game. And I still feel that way. He has really quietly emerged as one of the most important players on the Chiefs, period. And so I have him pretty high on this list. So I had Willie Gay and then LeJarius Sneed. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. Um, 
I think Snead is the second most important defensive player for the Chiefs behind Chris Jones. Like he's just that important. He's that versatile of a player and his tackling ability at the cornerback position, his ability to blitz, his ability to play inside outside. Like it's just hard to find guys who can do all of those things for you at an elite level. And the Jerry Snead can do all of that stuff at a very high level. What did you think about me putting the juice man, Willie Gay Jr. ahead of, of Juju? Um, I think that's fine. Uh, yeah. I, I think that Willie Gay, when he was on the field yesterday, I, I thought that that was an underrated part of the game. Like I thought the Chiefs linebackers performed much better than they did against Jacksonville and, and against Cincinnati early on in the re- or earlier in the regular season. So I think Willie Gay matters. Uh, I think that uh, especially against an athletic Philadelphia Eagles team, you certainly don't want to go in there with Darius Harris playing a significant amount of snaps against a really athletic offense. So, yeah, I mean, I think Willie Gay is important for the Chiefs. Willie Gay uh, hurt his shoulder in this game. I, I think he's going to be all right. He's already tweeting A.J. Brown, and I, I guess him and A.J. Brown grew up very close together, uh, played together in, in, in high school. And so uh, Willie Gay tweeting back to Brown, a member of the Eagles. We, we're doing it, my dog. Let's put on. So that's a good sign for his availability as we move on here Snead is in the concussion protocol always hard to predict concussions we'll just have to see where he's at and if he's practicing when the the Chiefs resume on Wednesday the final two you knew it was going to be Travis Kelsey and then Patrick Mahomes uh, one and two so the final list there Watson Hardman Tony Smith Schuster Gay Snead Kelsey and Mahomes really I I think not much question when it comes to the final two there you need both of those guys if you're going to take home another Lombardi so they'll continue to receive treatment here in the bye week as they prepare. And, you know, as we, we said during that Andy Reid segment, this is the game planning week. So we'll look for their availability coming up here when the Chiefs resume practice on Wednesday. Steve, no argument there, right? No, of course not. Yeah, uh, of course they're, not. <laughs> the, they're, uh, they're the franchise. Travis yeah. Kelsey and Patrick Wells. Yeah, I, I was waiting for you to say, well, Chad Henney and maybe, you know, Kelsey should be ahead of Mahomes, but you didn't go there, which I which I appreciate. Anyway, that's it for our Arrowhead Pride Editor show. Uh, we, we missed our, our guy, John Dixon, today, but he should be back next week. Steve, I, I thought that an admirable job of, of being a, a ample co-host and producing at the same time. The guy has so many. He's got like four hands back there uh, as he's doing this for the editor show. So keep it locked in. We will have content continuing, even though there's no game this week. There's a pretty big game coming up in two weeks. We're going to keep the content flowing here at arrowheadpride.com and of course the arrowhead pride podcast network if you leave a review i will read it here on the editor's show we have not had any reviews since you guys made me eat that ice cream cake so we would encourage them more even though there's no cake payoff we would love to read a review uh, when we resume this thing on monday so for john dixon and, and steve serta my name is pete sweeney thank you for joining us for another edition of the arrowhead pride editor's show